Hey everybody, I just want to give a quick uh, trigger warning for this episode. So starting at about 23 and a half minutes from when the music starts until 27 and a quarter minutes, uh, we talk about some uh, some gun violence and uh, an unfortunate tragedy that happened with the band Chicago. So I just wanted to give some fair warning. Uh, if you want to skip through that, feel free. Thanks. Oh, we're recording. Okay, so so I guess I get to introduce the podcast this week. You do. So welcome to the Soft Shoulder Podcast. Uh, I'm Stacy, and you are Alex. Okay, thanks. I have no. Uh, I was trying to come up with a middle name because last time we were skunk, but I'm not gonna lie, I didn't look into Chicago that much. You know what? We're not gonna give Chicago that um, that privilege. That's <laughs> what I'm gonna say. Fair. <laughs> Fair. So yeah, this week we're talking about Chicago, and uh, fair warning, well also trigger warning for Chicago, there's some like um, harsh gun violence in this one. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. Uh, also, um, Chicago sucks. <laughs> They're so terrible. <laughs> They're terrible. <laughs> and like they suck in more than one way. So... Um, just like an overview, I guess, of Chicago. Also, there's just so much. Like, they just have been playing music for literally forever. And they just, like, started playing music and never stopped playing music. So um, I'm going to miss a lot of stuff in here. And also, um, I think I just kind of uh, turned off the documentary I was watching after 1988. I was like, I don't need to know anymore. Nobody needs to know that. <laughs> I was listening to like the like this is Chicago playlist, <laughs> yeah, and it just became like I don't even know like almost like like an like an Escher drawing like yeah. everything just blended into each other up was down yep singers were the same singers yeah. were different some like the best way I can describe it is like a song would come on I'd be like yeah I'm really into this and then it would switch 180 and I'm like I hate this song. <laughs> And that was every song. Yeah. Every song. Totally. With, like, maybe the exception of, like, one or two that are legit jams. But for the most part, yeah. damn. Yeah. Like, there's, like, um, uh, there's this idea with Chicago that, and they, they mentioned this. So the documentary I watched was called, oh, was it called? It was the name of a Chicago song. Uh, I don't know. I don't man. remember. Honestly, it's not good. Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> don't even look up Chicago documentaries. Just don't watch any documentaries on Chicago. Please, just don't do it. I did it and it. it I wasted an hour and a half of my life. Okay, okay. <laughs> I didn't even finish watching the documentary. <laughs> I tried to watch the behind the music three times. Oh, God. <laughs> and it was so boring. Okay, yeah. So, um... But they, they mentioned in this documentary right off the bat that uh, Chicago was a musical democracy. So in essence, they were kind of like formed on this idea that there'd be no front person, that everyone would be able to have, you know, a fair say in the band and be able to like push ideas forward and like write songs and stuff. And for that reason... There's no cohesive sound to Chicago whatsoever. <laughs> and that, that uh, like, musical democracy, that stuck forever, right? Forever-ish, <laughs> until somebody came along. Uh, so there's actually kind of, like, interesting history in terms of, like, how different people that came in and out of the band kind of, like, um, altered that. And I will say in this, like, documentary that shall remain nameless that I watched... 
there was a lot of um, this person uh, declined to comment. Okay, okay. <laughs> there was at least five people okay. in this documentary that declined to comment. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, so an overview of Chicago. They're actually one of the world's best-selling groups of all time. I can see that. Um, which I guess if you write enough songs, then the math adds up. Of course. <laughs> Um, they have more than a uh, hundred million records sold. Jesus. Yeah, that's a lot of records. That's an amazing amount of records. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they are the first rock and roll act to sell out Carnegie Hall for a week. Um, and then we've got twenty-three gold albums, eighteen platinum, and eight multi-platinum. And this is like the United States system, I guess. Uh, and so that that also breaks down to they had 25 studio albums. Wow. Okay. And 12 live albums. I think that math adds up. 12? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so they've been operation from uh, 1969 to like currently. They're still going. They're still going. <sighs> they released an album in 2019. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know that. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to do this in the best way possible, but I will say, basically what Chicago did was they started playing music together, and they just, like, immediately started touring, immediately, like, released an album a year at least, from the time that they started to, like, basically now. Wow. Okay. Um, so their first album was the, the four-sided album, um... CTA, the Chicago Transit Authority. So their, their original name. Original title, yeah. And uh, they kind of just like glossed over that, um, how they dropped the Transit Authority, but I guess maybe they just decided it was dumb. <laughs> uh, and the thing that I watched, apparently they, they rebranded it at some point. It was like their manager that did it. Right. They were also called, like, I think they were called the big thing to start. Oh, yeah. Or, like, the thing or the big thing or the next big thing, something like that. Right, because they were in that, like, kind of um, time in Chicago where there were just, like, a bunch of bands that were hired to play in bars to just do covers. Yeah, but they they kept not playing covers. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> we got horns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in hot, Chicago. <laughs> um, so I glossed over that in my notes. <laughs> and I said that they started um, kind of appealing, like their breakout was like starting to appeal to the college campus crowd. Okay. And focusing on sort of like more political ideas around like the Vietnam War, around 1970. Um, and then just making like uh, these ridiculously long songs that were almost like um, you know, symphonies in and of themselves, like that whole fucking bullshit with ballet for a girl in Buchanan. Do you know the song? No. Oh, I have no interest. It's ten minutes of nonsense, That's really. Fine. I'll, I'll just yeah, I'll take but, your word on that. But a lot of that is like they were they were talking really a lot about like this whole thing where that uh, around that time you like you had AM radio really took over. Like AM radio was like what people listened to, okay. and like FM was just starting to come through, but like. Um, because FM was new, uh, they could do like weirder, crazy shit on FM and AM was just all about like the advertising money, the like quick songs, like being able to like cycle through as much as possible and like create hits through like 
what is playing on the radio. Okay, yeah. So um, they're kind of talking about some of the history of that, like the idea of the radio edit, which I think becomes like, we see that in bands, like classic rock bands that are more like proggy, right? Where you have the song that you know is that this is the album version. For sure. For example, Boston was like <laughs> really into the like um, the uh, album version versus the radio edit. Yep. So um, I guess like Chicago was a little bit butthurt about this, but like the rest of history, Chicago is also about how much Chicago is pretty much butthurt about everything. Great. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Turns out democracy, musical democracy, doesn't mean that everyone is happy. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, they were even kind of, like, upset about, like, not having their, like, pictures on the... the... Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so a lot of the, like, beginning of Chicago was, like, the forefront, the visual forefront of the band was the logo. Yeah. Which, I gotta say, it's a great logo. It's a great logo. Like, whoever designed that, like, congratulations. It still holds up. <laughs> yeah, although, man, looking at some of their album covers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you when all you have to depend on is the logo? Like, how do you make such just so terrible uh... Uh, album covers? Like, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the members. So, um, Robert Lamb is the piano player. Okay. Still with Chicago. Um, Lee Logninian? I don't know how to say his name. I'm sure. so sorry. He's the trumpet player. Um, Walt Parazader on Woodwinds. Okay. <laughs> I've been hearing some of those listed. Yeah. I'm like, great, more flute. Uh, Danny Serafane is drums. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Panko on trombone. And then we had Terry Kath on guitar and vocals. And then Peter Cetera on vocals and bass. Okay. And I think that was like, that's pretty much the, the founding guys. Oh. I'm going to turn that off. <laughs> Is it Chicago calling? I wish. <laughs> They're Just... like, hey, stop talking, stop talking smack about us. <laughs> All right, it's off. Mm. So, um, and then the other sort of like key player at the beginning is uh, Jim Guccero, who's their producer. Yeah. So, like, um, he is the one who kind of, like, you know, pushed them forward, took them to L.A., um, sort of got them, like, hanging with people like uh, Janis Joplin at the Fillmore or, like, Jimi Hendrix. There's, like, this whole ridiculous, really eye-rolling emphasis on how they were friends with Jimi Hendrix in the documentary that I didn't care for. <laughs> 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 okay, okay. So, um, we talked about their, like, logo as a brand thing. And then they, so they're starting to, like, trying to break out a lot of these early albums. They're, like, already touring. They're already sort of, like, getting stuff out there. It doesn't seem like it's been difficult at all for them to get stuff out there, but they're still, like, bummed that they're not as popular as they think they should be. Okay. Typical young white male problem. Hundred <laughs> percent, yes. They... Um, and uh, that's when they're they kind of start to like write some bigger hits. Like uh, Robert Lamb writes twenty five or six to four, um, which is so. We talked about like the Doobies being a band that's like really into transportation. Yeah, I would say that Chicago is a band that's really into time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, wasn't there? What was their first hit? Like, is it like, like, what is is time? Even Does anyone like? know really know what time it is? That's it. Does anybody really know what time it is? <laughs> what is 20, 24 six to two? What, what is that? <laughs> twenty five or six to four <laughs> is a reference to the time in which he was writing the song. So it was twenty five minutes or twenty six minutes to four a.m. Okay, I had no idea what was going on. And then with song. with that framing, like I mean, it's one of those songs as well that people are like, "This is utter nonsense." It's probably about drugs, for sure. Um, but uh, when you when you listen to the song with that framing, you're like, "Oh, this is just a doo doo." He's like, "I have nothing to write about. What's in the room that I'm in?" <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to listen to it's it. It's a again. classic. What's in the room that I'm in? Waiting for the break. song perfect perfect well i would say they have a few of those yes they have many of those <laughs> um, i'm gonna bring it up now but like uh-huh. saturday in the park yeah like that's a classic yeah. like what's in the park yeah what do i see a man selling ice cream spanish song uh, yeah something like that oh i love it yeah like, my favorite line in that whole song is uh uh, a man plays the guitar. Will you help him change the world? <laughs> what is the first time I heard that song was a couple years ago, and I didn't even know. I had no idea. I was just listening to the radio, and I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> like, like when you take out the the context of like you know, like Saturday. Yeah. When it just what? comes on, and you just hear like a man playing guitar. Like I was like, "What?" Yeah, I had no idea. Anywho, yeah. yeah. Tangent. So, they're not great songwriters. Um, but everybody loves it. In 1971, uh, this is when they st- really start to like pick up speed. So, in the span of 10 months, yeah. they recorded three albums. Single albums? All singles? Uh, no, like full albums. Full length albums. <laughs> I just know that they're kind of like a band that's like... They're known for like double albums and like. Oh yeah! Albums. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I didn't research you never that. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I assumed all their albums are double albums. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so three albums, including a live the live album at Carnegie Hall, which is uh like their fourth album, I believe, it's supposed to be. Fourth album or fourth live album? It's their fourth album. They recorded their fourth album is a live at Carnegie Hall. Yes, <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. So because this wealthy. is the thing. It's just sort of like they hit the ground running, right? They're not just sort of like, let's take a few years to write an album. They're like, go, go, go! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and then during that time, they also charted nine singles. Um, and all three of the albums were in the top five. They wow. continued touring, of course. So just like touring their asses off. Um, and they were also one of the first American uh, pop bands to perform in Japan. So I guess sometime around 1971. Okay. Um, <laughs> they're also like this time. So because they're like releasing so many albums and so many of them are charting, yep. they're also making like a shit ton of money. I'm sure. Yeah. Or at least like the corporation or like the business of Chicago is making so much money. 
That's oh. an important distinction in this story, actually. Oh, did they get... <laughs> Okay. So, okay. some 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 shady's going down, you okay. know. So uh, they started traveling by chartered jets because you know why not? As you do. Uh, I think they said something about like one jet was like the party jet and the other one was the meditation jet or something. I also heard that yeah. in the background of my behind the music. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, what does that mean? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, two jets. <laughs> and then. They, you know, it's also like one of those rock documentaries where they have to like tell their old war stories. So they had some dumb story about rolling the plane, and I was like, also, I don't care. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I totally relate. Yes. So, anyways, this we haven't even gotten to the like uh, the craziest part of Chicago, which is we're going to come back to Terry Kath, who was the guitar player. Yes. Um, so Terry Kath was kind of like always talked about um, as the one that was like holding the band together, the way that he played guitar. It was so awesome or whatever. And I was like, he was just a dude that can play the guitar. Sure. And um, he was also uh, really into guns. Every member of Chicago was really into drugs, really into alcohol. And then Terry Kath also added guns into the mix. So not a great idea. Um, he... Uh, that definitely sort of like continues for quite a while, but we don't see the outcome of that for another couple of years, but it's not good. So uh, 1972, they released Chicago 5. They're basically doing an album a year. So 73 is Chicago 6. They're still doing the Roman numeral album. So it's... I hate that they're all just named numbers. Yeah. Like... I at, the, at first I was like, oh, I like that. And then I was like, Fuck you guys. Yeah. As you can tell, the more I learned about Chicago, the more I hated them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm right there. Um, so Chicago 6 comes out in 1973. So then this is when they're starting to get into this like vibe of like, because they're like touring basically like 350 days a year. Um, they need this like intensive retreat in order to record albums. So, uh, good old Jimmy Cuchero, uh, builds what he calls Caribou Ranch. Okay. And it's in, like, Colorado, and it's basically just, like, this, like, uh, settlement, like, big ranch house, recording studio, like, all these small cabins, um, and all of the members of Chicago basically get to, like, treat it like it's their own miniature Wild West. (laughs) Okay, okay. Hey, Alex here, just in the middle of mixing. Just decided to do a tiny bit of research on Caribou Ranch. I couldn't really find much besides the fact that uh, in interviews they mentioned skiing a lot and they really like name-dropping celebrities. I sat with Elton John just like this and he had Bernie's lyrics right here and this is where Island Girl, Joe Walsh had a house up by the reservoir. Uh, This was the lodge where the road crew usually stayed. I don't think any of the stars were Uh, here. Did Billy stay up here? Because he liked... Because he wanted to hang. John Lennon. John Lennon was Michael in this Jackson room. Michael Jackson. Um, Tim Foy, all the windows in that one. So even Stephen Sills remembers coming down here and pissing in the stalls. Yeah. We kind of said, you know what? It's, it's Kevin Costner. Build it, they will come. You know? You know, so they're just like, all the drugs. Any, like... You know, like, let's fly Playboy bunnies in. Like, bullshit like this. Yeah, like just anything they want. Yeah, like, yeah. perfect, like, typical 1970s excess. Yeah. And, like, um, at the hands of, like, 25-year-old dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Privileged twenty-five year old. Exactly. Yeah. Very rich as well. Yeah, and like you know, Jimmy Cuchero is the bank, so it's just sort of like anything you want, it appears, kind of thing. And they were also, you know, quick to mention that they were close to a college town, so there were lots of drugs. Nineteen seventy-six is when they start. you know, Satara starts like taking more of a front row seat rather than a back because he's been with the band all along, but he's sort of like taken a back seat. See, I didn't know that. I thought yeah. that he was a replacement. No, Satara okay. was from with the band from the beginning. Wow. Okay. So uh, Jimmy Guccero, their originally pro- original producer, and Peter Satara are the first two people in this documentary that. Um, declined to comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, he, in 1976, started pushing towards, uh, he pushed forward a ballad for the band, um, which is the If You Leave Me Now. Um, If you leave me now, (laughs) take away the biggest part of me. If you leave me now, take away the and uh yeah the rest of the band hated it yeah yeah i got that from my doc doc as well and of course it was number one around the world of course and also a jam yeah. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a good song. <laughs> I'll like, take it. Fuck, fuck you. Satara had it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the rest of the band was really like, we're not a ballad band. Fuck you, Satara. <laughs> Why is this ballad not 18 minutes long? Yeah. Why doesn't it have, like, several movements in it? <laughs> Where's my drugs? <laughs> what is time? Yeah. So... Um, then we also learn around this time that good old Jimmy Cuchero was fucking the band, um, taking, uh, they said, taking 100% of publishing. Whoa. So okay. essentially, like, he was, like, making millions off of them <laughs> for himself and his line in his good old pockets. And they were, like, you know, making a decent living. But, like, yeah, they weren't hurting. They weren't hurting, for sure, but they were getting fucked by him. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a classic, uh, they got their Fogarty. Yeah, they got Fogarty, yes. (laughs) It was pretty much like, they just signed bum contracts, which like so many artists around that time definitely were like, a producer, great, I trust you completely. this is wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What was that, like, that's all of Motown. Yes. (laughs) So that was like, the breakdown too comes to like, basically 51% to Jimmy. And then 49% split seven ways between the band. Whoa, okay. Yeah, that sucks. That does suck. That's brutal. <laughs> that ain't a good deal for anyone. <laughs> no, but I mean, at that point, if like if you're on a ranch with the so-called good drugs and the Playboy bunnies and two fucking jets, yeah. like who cares? I mean, honestly? like, yeah, I, I guess they cared. I'm sure they did. They were butthurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, then we start talking about cocaine. Of course, they had to talk about their snortatorium. No. I know. Uh, so, um, when they played live shows, they had a phone booth as part of the set. That's where they were, okay. You couldn't see, like, when one of the members went into the phone booth, you couldn't see them. So, it was just filled with cocaine. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. Because what a great idea. Like, load yourself up on cocaine, then, like, go play music really hard and, like, try not to have a heart attack on stage. Like, I guess, yeah. Oh, also, what was yeah. the point of the of the phone booth in the in this show? Was yeah, it just, like, no he's going to go there for a while? No idea. It had nothing. Like, Ch- Chicago yeah, had cares? no songs about phones. As far as I... I haven't listened to their... Like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then uh, we're moving up to we're at uh, 1978, and I think it's in January 1978, which is when um, Terry Kath dies. So in the documentary, they really kind of gloss over the details, but in a lot of ways, like they just talk about um, how he was at uh, Don Johnson's house, um, who was one of their... Um, oh, I forget who he was. He... Was an actor, isn't he? No, not that Don Johnson. Okay. <laughs> not like Miami Vice Don Johnson. That's who I thought you were the <laughs> yeah, whole time. No, 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 not him. Another Don Johnson. Okay. Um, And I guess they had been partying, and it was probably like 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they'd been partying like since like 4 o'clock the previous afternoon kind of thing. Okay. Uh, apparently he was just like drinking on drugs and cleaning his gun. You know, as one does. As, as you do. Yeah. Yep. Um, in the documentary, they they were just like, and then something happened. Gun just went off. But apparently, like, the story that I've heard um, from various places is that he was basically, like, fucking around and, like, playing, like, a, like pointing the gun at his head and just, like, pressing the trigger and being like, don't worry, it's not loaded and stuff. He had a couple different guns he was doing this with, but okay. he took the clip out of one of them to show Don Johnson. He was like, look, there's nothing in it. And then he put it back in. Put his head, pressed the trigger, and there was something still left in the magazine. So, oh wow, okay, shot himself in the head right in front of Don Johnson. And mm. Yeah, yeah, died from that. So, yeah, I mean, like, is that ever worth it? No, no, no of not. course not. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to be uh, like you know sensitive to something like that, but I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guns and drugs and booze and excess and staying up for 24 hours straight. Just Yeah. Uh, like, maybe take one of those things out, you know? Yeah, I would say the gun. <laughs> the gun. Yeah, the gun can honestly. go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, not to make too much light of it, but no. I mean, it is... Ugh. Yeah, it's such a wild story and it's such a, like, weird like tragic thing as well for sure and you could tell that like all of them were like deeply affected by it so yeah um because like yeah it's fucking terrible yeah he was the the soul of the band yeah. quote unquote or at least to them he was. i think like and you know that's another thing though is like like definitely somebody um you know post like after someone has already died it's really easy to say that they were the soul of the band too yeah, that's true. So that's another thing that, I'll, like, I take with a grain of salt, where I'm just kind of like, yeah, but also, like, you didn't have to deal with any more of his bullshit, so, like, he wasn't able to, like, make things worse, whereas, like, you know, y'all are like, Peter Cetera is dead to us, but, like, he didn't die. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, true. So... that's true. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy story, and it's a, yeah. I mean, it happened, and it's it, a big part of Chicago. It did happen. Yep. So, uh, then we got to find somebody to fill Terry Kath's shoes. So, 1979, Donnie Daskus joins to replace Terry. Then they record their infamous stinker, Hot Streets. (laughs) 
which was their like disco album. This is their only album that's like pretty much, I think it's their only studio album maybe that's not a number. Really? I think so. Hot Streets. Hot Street. Damn it. I wish I did see this would have been all I would have listened to if I knew what Hot you didn't, Streets. You didn't listen to Hot Streets? No. It's... I did listen to 19. Mm-hmm. 19. <laughs> did you listen to all of 19? No, I did not. I think that's the recipe for melting your brain straight out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rough. Um, there was a quote from Hot Streets, which was, I think this was the drummer said this. Um, what's his name? Uh, Danny Seraphine. Okay. said they spent more money on blow and mansions than recording during Hot Streets. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, blow and mansions are more expensive than recording. Yeah. Duh, Danny. <laughs> I <like> it's, like... <laughs> it's like not comparable. <laughs> mansions. Yeah. Not even. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, like I get what you're saying, but also like it doesn't make any sense. No, also you can record a decent album on a on a talkable way. Yes. You know, from Home Alone 2. Exactly. Yeah. Great. I would love to hear a Talkboy album. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there there was a um I was glad that they didn't go too deep into this in the um documentary. I was really wait for waiting for them to be hateful about disco and I was like I fucking dare you to be hateful about disco because it's like, to be honest, the whole disco sucks movement is super homophobic and it's super racist. So For like, sure. um, I was just like, do not go there. You guys do not <laughs> fucking go there. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny actually in the band that I was researching as well. Disco was a big part of their grievances as well around mm. this time because disco took, took over. Yeah. It, took, it completely took over. For sure. So like all yeah. the rock bands and all the, well, anybody that wasn't disco, they were just hurting. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't be sure. surprised if some of that whole like disco sucks thing was like from record label. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But I think like, I think it's, you know, good to not like frame it that way or to at least like create that rhetoric around it because of the way we can look back and really see those like those homophobic roots and those kind of like racist roots within it oh yeah no yeah. it's 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 all there yeah, I mean, yeah no. <laughs> so uh so that was the only album that donnie daskus was with them for so then they replace and he was the, the third person in this uh he declined to comment okay okay <laughs> uh then we got chris pinnock replaces donnie daskus okay. we got bill champlain enters I didn't write down who the fuck he was, so I don't care, apparently. Probably a horn. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah, just another one. You know, they're like, you know what we don't have enough of in Chicago yet? <laughs> horns. We haven't really cornered the market on horns Actually, yet. I bet you it was a keyboard. Another keyboard. They have, they have a wild right. amount of... Nice. You are right. Great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because they were going on about how Robert Lamb was being all like mopey or something during this time. I don't know. Um, so then we had Chicago 14 reached mm-hmm. only 71 on the charts. Uh, and then they were paid to leave Columbia records. Amazing. They, like, they got bought out of their contract. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Which I love. And then, uh, in order to sort of fulfill one more album, yep. uh, Columbia released, um, 15 as a greatest hits. Perfect. <laughs> They were like, okay, you guys get out of here now. (laughs) (laughs) Enough. Enough. Uh, Okay, so we're coming up towards the end of Chicago here, too. Uh, In 1982, after leaving the record label, their plane was struck by lightning. What? On the way back to L.A. 
Okay. So they were like, oh, no, we're cursed or something. Like, I don't know. They got picked up um, by Full Moon, which was under uh, Full Moon Productions under Warner Brothers. Okay. Um, and then Chicago 16 is the first David Foster produced. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So then um, David Foster is the one that really pulls in that, like, super soft sound. Yep. And, like, focuses more on the ballads. So we got, like, Hard to Say I'm Sorry. And then Satara kind of becomes the front man, which is, like, it's not Chicago's vision, obviously, to not ever the have... band democracy. Exactly. Yep. So so we're going into a dictatorship here. Perfect. <laughs> oh, also, I must chime in. On my uh, documentary, they said... I, no, I keep saying that. I'm behind the music Chicago. <laughs> they, uh... They made a pact when they first started that the no one, no one would ever be fired from the band. Oh yes, ever. You right. either had to. What was it? You had to die or quit. You had to. You had to ask to leave. <laughs> okay. Or you had like, which sounded very formal. Like you had to like go to the tribunal and be like, please, please think, let me go. Do you think that guy from Hot Streets had to ask? <laughs> no, no, because they said. They said in, uh, that, like, Chris Pinnock showed up on their first rehearsal and was, like, hiding in the pool house because they were firing Donnie Daskins. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> also, for the very first of the episode, I want to say that I am Alex Hot Streets Curry. Oh! <laughs> Hot Streets. <laughs> so, Satira takes over, destroys the democratic process. Everyone else is bummed. Um, Seventeen is released in 1984. We get... You're the inspiration. You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. You bring feeling to my life. You're the inspiration. Uh, Satara was pissed at the horns. As usual. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone picks up a different instrument and drops the horns. Okay. So we're like, okay, Satara, we're going to do your thing. And then Satara's like, in 1985, he's like, fuck you guys, I'm doing my own stuff. <laughs> Perfect. And uh, he leaves in 1985, and uh, then they showed him an interview of him in 2003, and he had really weird hair plugs. So that's what Peter Satara's doing. Yay! <laughs> uh, and after that, I just wrote, all goes to trash. <laughs> <laughs> So they had uh, Jason Sheff join in 1986 and did a bizarre remake of 25 or 6 to 4 that's like a Blade Runner version. Like, what? It's fucking weird. You should watch the video. I will. It sucks. I'm sure it does. <laughs> I mean, what, what year was it? Like 87? 86. Gross. Okay. And then I just chose to not write any more notes about Chicago. <laughs> that's, that's completely fair. Thanks for fighting the good fight on oh, this that's one. That's a tough one. <laughs> Never uh, again. <laughs> should we... I guess we go right into our soft focus. Yeah, let's soft focus this one. Sure. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll start? Yes. Is it? Okay, here we go. Okay. Chicago, soft yeah. focus. 25... Or six to four. Okay, yeah. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just the drums in that song. Great. Right. <laughs> it goes like, it goes like, I can't remember. It's like, Gakatita. Like, it's a really fast, weird It's insane. Drum. Yeah, yeah, it's a cool, cool drum line. Yeah. Uh, I'm a man. That oh. song is a... <laughs> Fucking sauce. Such a ripper. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's very dumb, but it is a jam. 
I'm a bird of fire. <laughs> 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 that they were like this is fucking groundbreaking yeah, this is amazing <laughs> like, anyways i even just I, I like the vocal line on that too like the na 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 yeah i just if yeah. that song had better lyrics oh I, yeah i'd be fully on board but i don't i like honestly it just all blends together <laughs> like, it's, like i'm not even like <laughs> anywho saturday in the park yeah great jam oh you chose a lot of early chicago yeah, I didn't listen to a lot of later Chicago. Yeah, to fair. tell the truth, uh, hard habit to break. That oh song yes. Is oh yes. Yeah, and I don't want to live without your love. Ah, oh, yeah, which yes. Which is a great jam. Yeah. Yeah, those are my my five favorites that I can I can tell. I don't really like any of them. Yes, that for sure. Much. Yeah, for sure. But as far as like I'm gonna put on Chicago, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, those are safe bets. I mean, we only had one crossover, which is hard habit to break. Damn. Like, I mean, because it's just sort of, like, it gives me what I need, which is, like, a song that, like, changes enough, but, like, not too much. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, nope. Makes sense. Um, so I chose um, Feeling Stronger Every Day off of 6. Okay. Um, Baby, What a Big Surprise off of 11. Baby, what a big surprise! Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right before my very eyes. <laughs> I forgot about that song. That's one that's like, oh yeah, you want to see some parents slow dancing to that song for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Amazing. Um, <laughs> then uh, off 16, Hard to Say I'm Sorry. I don't know that one. Um, now I have the thing, so like... I can't sing it because I just sang the song before, so it's all <laughs> Chicago songs of the same song. Let me let me hear. Hard to say I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, I really wanna tell you I'm sorry. I could ever let you go. After all that we've been through. I don't like it. <laughs> Sorry. Like, you don't have to like it. Yeah, it's not a good song. <laughs> and then, of course, you're the inspiration. Yeah. Because it's nice to just, like, make un- uncomfortable eye contact with somebody and then sing that to them. <laughs> <laughs> that was my number six. Oh, That was okay. my, like, yeah. Yeah, just eked in there, you know? Yep. All right, so we got to talk about our bottom two. Oh, my God. I got one that is rough. <laughs> uh, this one, uh, Daddy's Favorite Fool. Um, my first one was, uh, you get it up. Yeah. Gross. What really sucks about this song is that, first of all, the content is horrific. Yeah. And then 
all eight members of the band sing in fucking unison for some unknown reason. Because they sing about they dig. I guess so. But it's like it's like a song written by like teenage boys, sung by teenage boys. And I'm like, I'm so confused as to why this is uh, happening. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's going out. It's going out. Picked a sleigh ride 2019 <laughs> <laughs> from uh, their one of their Christmas albums. Please don't play it. Oh, we have to. <laughs> no. Fuck you guys! Yeah, I know, I hate it. And the cover is their logo wrapped in a bow. (laughs) Okay, my my last bottom two is a song called Window Dreamin'. And I think this is the only one that good old Walt uh, wrote. Maybe I'm wrong, but Walt is not a good songwriter. Let's check it out. Uh, Window Dreamin'. Yeah, that, that, that's trash. Yeah, and it's basically one of those songs that's like um, an out-of-touch rock star singing about how much their life sucks. And you're like, I don't care, dude. Yeah, exactly. You're, <laughs> you have the snortatorium. Yeah, you have a snortatorium. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> have fun on your ranch. Okay, well, I guess that's Chicago. That's Chicago. It's mm. over. Don't worry. Let's come back in uh, two weeks. Yeah, so we made a Chicago playlist. Please don't listen to it. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> But the link will be there. Yep. Uh, Bye, guys.